Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last Podcast. Rick Roberts here today. Have an interview with my buddy and my podcast editor, Doc Kennedy. So stick around for that, especially if you're interested in what's going on or what has been going on in the Pacific Northwest as far as comedy is concerned. That's where Doc came from before he moved to Nashville and gave us some insights into that. Also, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporter for this episode, which is John Hill. John has a small monthly donation going towards supporting the podcast. You can do the same thing. Learn more about that at schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And if you donate at $7 a month or more, you get to join Club 52, which is a strategically designed program that gives you an email each week with one specific actionable task you can take to make yourself bigger, better and more bookable. And that is quite a good deal at $7 a month. All right. Today we have, like I said, Doc Kennedy. He's going to tell us a little bit about where he came from, what he's up to and what's on the horizon. And at the back end of this, I'll tell you about some upcoming comedy class dates, including the performance class in Nashville, which is just a few weeks away. So if you're interested in that, uh, make sure you check the show notes or listen all the way through so you get that information. And if you leave an iTunes review and screenshot it and shoot it to me, I'll read it on the air and send you a punchline checklist to help you write better jokes. All right, let's get on to this episode with Doc Kennedy. Well, I am here with podcast master Doc Kennedy. Hi, Rick. How's it going, buddy? Swell. How are we? (laughs) We're doing pretty good. I know for a while I've wanted to have you on, and we finally found some time where we're both around hanging out. And just up front, from all the podcast listeners, thanks for doing the editing here. Well, as Chick-fil-A would say, my pleasure. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) Do you want the cookie or the book? (laughs) Uh, It's been a big help. So this will be interesting because you'll have to edit yourself on the podcast. You know I'm going to take a little extra time on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Do whatever you need to do. I first knew you from the Pacific Northwest, and really when you came on my radar, I think, was when we started doing some of the Patreon hangouts. Yeah. Here in this office, I'd sit here and talk to seven or eight people around the country and got to know you a little bit there initially, and you were in just outside of Seattle? Or where yeah. Were you? Yeah, about 30 miles outside Seattle, Tacoma, Washington. Moved out there from eastern Washington because the little town I was in didn't have anything going on. Didn't so. have anything. Yeah. Uh, I took a writing class out there uh, at that time. School of Laughs didn't exist, but I did reach out to you at that time uh, talking about where I should move. I had it narrowed down to Atlanta, Nashville. Seattle wasn't on the board. Really? Yeah. And so <laughs> I remember reaching out to you. You said, whatever you do, don't come to Nashville. So I waited, what, 12 years to yeah. do that. <laughs> which, which was the right move because at that time, there really wasn't much going on. Most comics were driving to Birmingham or Chattanooga or Atlanta or Louisville to do open mics because there was more opportunity there to do open mics. Now it's a it's fairly solid spot. I yeah. love it here. Yeah. Yeah, I love it here. It's such a small space. And when I was out by Seattle, you'd have to drive you know, quite a ways to, if you were going to double dip, you know, have two mics in one night, do two sets, you were driving quite a bit out here. You can hit them pretty close. Yeah. You know, that landscape out there, 
is a little different it for is. sure. And, but you you look on a map, you're like, you got Seattle, you got Olympia, you got Portland. Mm-hmm. They're kind of three decent sized cities and not too far of a drive. It is pretty close. Uh, you know, it'd be like if I'm going from Seattle to Portland, it's almost like Nashville to Atlanta. Yeah. Not bad at not all. Horrible. You can, it's yeah. a doable thing. Oh, for sure. And so did all three of those towns have kind of their own stand-up click kind no, of they kind of they kind of mesh together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Kind of northwest. Here we are. Yeah. Tacoma has an awesome comedy club. Uh, That's right. Tacoma Comedy Club. And then Seattle has the underground, and they have laughs and some other ones. Um, and, of course, those have all changed through the years. But uh, Tacoma Comedy Club is awesome. Because, you know, one difference between here and there is here, there's so much entertainment. Um, There's a lot of mics that you'll go to where it's mainly other comics. Mm -hmm. But out there, there's a limited resource of entertainment. So open mics at Tacoma Comedy Club, it was a regular thing to have close to 100 people show up. You really got the real feedback that you'd want. Yeah. An honest Honest yeah. crowd that wasn't comics looking at their set list. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It was the constant battle. Who were some of the comics, bigger name comics that that were around at that time that you kind of looked at or local headliners that would go on the road? Well, when I first went on stage out there, it would have been, uh, I don't even remember what year, but it, Andrew Rivers, uh, he's he's um, on Dry Bar and mm-hmm. he's done some other stuff. I remember meeting him and he was a newbie at that time. I wanted to do stand up to get into acting. Really? I had no clue how to get into acting. You know, come from this little podunk town, uh-huh. had no clue. Um, originally from Montana. So, you know, nothing on my radar for that. I saw some stand ups using that as a vehicle uh-huh. to get into acting. And then um, I got plugged in with this mega church in Tacoma and I got involved with their media production team. Mm-hmm. And I was struggling with stand-up. Mm. And so I saw this opportunity to pursue the same dream with a different vehicle. Sure. And I decided to take that. And I learned a ton through that journey, which is actually why I've been able to podcast in part because of so much of what I learned through that uh, just on the tech side. Had you done any kind of tech stuff like that before? No. I started at the bottom. Really? I, literally the bottom. <laughs> like, like you turn I, on the light switch and then, then look, hey, that was pretty good. Let's see if you can do the dimmer. And yeah, then, we were. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, uh, the production team, the, it was all volunteers except for uh, uh, two or three paid spots. And my first ever job there was to listen to the live stream. I hit start and stop Yeah, <laughs> when the director told me. <laughs> That's great. So, and within about four years, I'd worked my way up to uh, being on staff and being a live production director. I I was doing the switcher board. Uh, yeah, I, I knew it all. Right. You know, and I had to know it all. I don't miss it. Right. But, you know, at, at that time, it, it was great. Uh, it was a great time in my life, you know, and no regrets. But stand-up was always calling you know and i'd go do a set or two a year you yeah know, get mad and yeah go back to work yeah. <laughs> did you do that church in tacoma have a where they create videos with yeah yeah so did you get in on some of that yeah on yeah both sides of yeah the- i got i got to uh, uh we did some uh co-writing and uh produce some uh we we tried to produce comedy for promos mm-hmm. but i've been able to use some of that stuff for my actors reel the acting part like I, i've 
just gotten lucky with a couple of things where they needed somebody that could do Barney Five or something sure. like that. And uh, I, I always liked the idea of it, but my, I never had a memory to where I could memorize lines. And I always, even in college, I was the lead in the, the Technicolor Dreamcoat okay. for about four weeks. And then it got two weeks out and I just bailed. Like, I, I really, there's several times where I bailed on people that I wish I could go back and make it up, but I couldn't articulate my lines well enough so, that, so the next person knew. They would walk out of the scene thinking they were in the wrong scene. And I'm like, no, you're supposed to be here. I just didn't get you there right. Yeah. Did you have any memory skills or was that something you just. Well, yeah. Yeah. Did that, you memorize was, if you had to? I liked improvising. Mm-hmm. And I, I got this one paid gig. This guy hired me to do this little spot. He said, hey, what I like is that it looks like you can improvise and all this stuff. So I didn't memorize his lines. Well, then I get there and he wants me to, you know, Tarantino it and have everything (laughs) spot on. And, you know, it's just a matter of taste and, you know, and I'll make it work. You know, even though you see stand-ups using comedy as a vehicle to get into acting, it's it's hard if you're a traveling road dog comic to be home when the calls came for auditions. And that's when I first moved here, I, I got connected with a few things and they would call me and like, Hey, can you be here tomorrow? I'm like, I'm actually not even here. I'm, yeah. I'm in wherever, Ohio or Michigan or whatever. Sure. And so just eventually they stopped calling because nine times out of 10, you weren't around. Yeah. Uh, now I'm home a little more. I wouldn't mind doing some things and I get a chance to do a couple things here and there, but you know, they're complimentary skill sets, but still with comedy, you got your words versus a script of somebody else's words, you know? And in my act, I love doing crowd work. Well, you know, that's the total opposite of filmmaking. Right, right. <laughs> you can't can't stop in the middle of a, alas, poor York. I knew him well. How y'all doing tonight? <laughs> I always like that story about Dangerfield doing Caddyshack. And he's doing it. It's his first time on a set ever. And he's doing his lines and he's sweating bullets. Yeah. And he's going, he finally says, why, why isn't anybody laughing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's the audience that will watch the movie. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, it's a tough gig. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I guess that's the biggest difference besides just their words versus your own words. But it's the you have to wait for the commercial or the thing to come out to see how it's viewed as opposed yeah. to you know immediately on stage. Yeah. They're digging it or they're not. And then on the flip side, there's editing. So I can make myself look really good. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> You've got those skills. Mad skills. <laughs> Well, when you were out there, um, you know, bef- before moving here, how much time did you have that you were comfortable with doing out there, longest sets where you felt like, oh, I'm in the zone for this amount of time, that kind of stuff? Like if you were getting booked for a gig, what was the, the I was slot? Di- yeah, five to 10. Mm-hmm. But it was different, you know, and it was totally different. I didn't really feel like myself. I didn't feel like I could really just be me. Mm-hmm. Out uh, there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because things are a little bit different there, um, socially um politically left leaning yeah yeah and i'm not looking to offend anybody but you're just a natural person is a little toward the right yeah sure so yeah so and and, and the things that don't offend me you know might offend somebody else i don't get offended but it was just different yeah that's it and when you moved here did you find that it was a little bit easier to be you yeah yeah and you know um i i had some uh, interesting challenges out there especially around election time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can see that. But, yeah. But also, 
Well, it depends on who's putting the show together. It, but I would yeah. think it'd be great to have some, you know, a comic with some different views than the yeah. 10 that came right before you. You would think. <laughs> you would think. But if that comic has the same view as those other nine or 10, then yeah, it's maybe hard to get on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't even getting on the show. So I was on the shows. I, I woke up in the night thinking about this, Rick. We're talking about like cancel culture these days and stuff. And that hit me out there. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm not anything big, you know, you can cancel me and nobody's going to notice. But there was this point where there was some people that had decided that because I supported uh, the president, I said something positive about the president. Right. I wasn't even saying anything that was like, hey, I love Donald Trump you right. know, or anything like that. They just decided, well, if he said anything positive, he's a Nazi. Right. right. That was their words. That was, a, that oh, was yeah. what they really were thinking. And they tried hard to get me kicked off shows. Wow. And it, it really hit me personally uh, in a tough way. It, it really hurt me, uh, my character. Mm-hmm. It was a straight-up character attack. And, yeah, that was tough, you know. But you learned through that stuff. Obviously, it didn't get me to stop. Right. You know, and the people that are attacking, they're not even doing comedy anymore. Yeah. You know? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that usually they're works. a fun race right now trying to get butyl gig in or whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, I don't blame them either. I think that's important too, is that I don't blame them for their viewpoint. You know, they're getting information that's incorrect, but I can understand how that incorrect information can lead to fear. Sure. And they view, you know, certain people as a threat. Right. So I don't blame them. That's where they're at. Well, at least here, the good thing about Nashville, and, and I don't know. You, you know well, and I didn't move out here because I wanted to be in a safe zone for no, <laughs> no for but, righties but either. <laughs> what I was thinking is is here, it's a it's very much a melting pot. It there's, is. There's not that, I mean, gosh, if I went around and counted my friends who actually are from Nashville, it's it's up to 40% maybe, but not anywhere over 50. So most people here came from somewhere else because they just kind of like to – the town has got some vibe to it. There's go, things to go see. I don't know about the Pacific Northwest. If people, if I doubt that there's more people moving there because they well, they can't afford to. Well, that's that's for sure. It's definitely yeah. expensive. <laughs> but it's such a. I mean, people from that part of the country maybe go further to the coast if they can afford it. But like you and other people from Pacific Northwest that moved here, so it's, sure. it's a melting pot of a lot more flavor and a lot it more is. opinion. So yeah. Uh, which, which, but the local comedy community here is so supportive of each other, and it wasn't quite like that uh-huh. in where I was. You know, uh, I really appreciate that here. I hope that the local comics in Nashville realize that they have it pretty good in the way that they they really genuinely help support each other and work together and. That doesn't happen everywhere. No. And it, we do kind of pull for each other. Yeah. Maybe it's because we've seen some people from the area do really well. And we know it's possible. Sure. Like if you stick it out long enough, you can you can do things. You don't necessarily have to, to live on the coast to have success or anything like that. But what I really like, I guess, is guys like Nate and Keith or whoever, Dusty, they're grinding out the open mics when they're not doing a TV spot, just like yeah. everybody else. So you're like, hey, that guy's he's a, he's a grinder yeah. regardless. So. Yeah. So I, I like that about this this town. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, you got people that are just coming in. They're just starting. You got, you know, vets like yourself that are popping in. And so, yeah, that was also something that was lacking out there. Mm. 
there was a lot of immaturity because there's really uh, when a comic makes it out there, they're gone. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. There's just not too many that stick around. You know, part of my problem too was, yeah, Portland's close and all that, but you're stuck in the armpit uh-huh. too. So out here, at least I can hit the road and have some opportunities spreading out a little bit, you know. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, geographically. Yeah. You know, I started in Columbus. Columbus, Indianapolis, those are really good because I think they say in a day's drive, you're within half the population of the country almost. Yeah, sure. You know? And Nashville's not that bad either if you look at the southern spoke with Birmingham and Atlanta. And, I mean, you can get to Florida if you need to, you know, you go to at least Panama City on a, a, a day drive. Um, so there, there's a lot more places you can go to. I kind of cap it at 500 miles on a day. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I just have one where it's 500 miles, you know, 250 up to the gig and 250 back in the same day. And that's about as much as this 50 year old back can handle. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's doable. Like you can get, oh, yeah. you can zip up to Indianapolis or Cincinnati or Columbus or a lot more opportunities as far as, as that. Yeah. And, you know, there's this Canadian border there that doesn't really help things. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, so then you're looking at either down or east. And going east, there's not a whole lot. Yeah. There's Spokane. And Spokane's the biggest city headed east probably till Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say you're right. So there's – yeah, it's kind of limited. Yeah. I'm trying to think how many people live in Billings, Montana, but probably not as, not nearly enough. Well, enough to do a show. Yeah. You know, you can do a Montana tour. Yeah. It's just going to – you're going to have to work for it. Yeah. Yeah, there were some bookers that I, I, I had contact information, but I just I never called them because I just heard the, about the the gigs, how long it would take you to get there. <laughs> you literally would have to get off stage and start driving to get to the town for the next show. Oh, sure. The next day, it yeah. It's like, Phew. so <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot. A <laughs> little, little better off around here. <laughs> I'm, I never even asked you how you met your wife, and if you don't want to answer on, oh that, yeah, yeah, okay. no, that's fine. I met her at church, uh-huh. and she's from the same part of Washington State I'm from. Right. So I didn't know if you knew her from back then, but no. you didn't. No, we didn't know each other at all there. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I took her uh, to Zany's that night to watch Brian Bates' show. And we both walked away saying, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> that we didn't like each other at all. And a month later, we started dating. And then a month after that, we were looking at rings. And well, That's cool, man. And then, so I also want to promote your podcast that, that you have. Tell us a little bit about it, where they can find it. Yeah. and. And if they if they like hearing us two talk, they might hear that in a, in a week or two, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was an honor having you on there, Rick. So it's called Free to Laugh, talking about political correctness and comedy. And you can find that at freetolaugh.us. And uh, I love hearing people's perspectives, um, no, no matter where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what their angles are. You know, I've had folks on that are you know, right in track with what I'm thinking. I've had folks on that aren't Mm -hmm. just talking about the different things that are impacting not only political correctness, you know, with comedy, but freedom of speech. Right. That's great. And I like that. It's free to laugh. Us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Just like perfect. Yeah. What else should it be? My favorite part with that was it was a free URL. Even better. (laughs) Yeah. Free, free, free to laugh. Free URL. Freedom. That's great. Well, thanks, Doctor, jumping on today, and I yeah. uh, hope you have fun editing yourself on your, on this podcast. Oh man, I, I'm going to sound so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks again for doing that too. You betcha, buddy. And thanks for uh, all, all you do for comics. Uh, School of laughs has uh, been a blessing, and your friendship has been a true blessing for me. Well, thank you. Likewise, I appreciate you, buddy. <laughs>
Hope you enjoyed that episode. Doc uh, gave us a little insight there on the old Pack Northwest, what was going up there before he left and why he moved to Nashville and how it's going now. That was good stuff, Doc. And uh, thanks for editing your own episode of your own podcast. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? And like I said, he's got a podcast too. You want to check that out. We have that in the show notes. He mentioned that on the uh, tail end of this podcast. And I'll make sure we have some links in there so you can go check out his show, which is uh, very insightful. And I did a recent episode of it as well. And I'll link to that in the notes. Would like to read a quick iTunes review here before we kick off. This is from Tim Ketcherson. He's out there in Texas and he leaves this review. Get better and more bookable. The School of Last podcast has been incredibly valuable for me. I can't recommend it highly enough for people who are wanting to learn and grow in the art of business and stand-up. There may be lots of ways to get better and more bookable to stand-up, but this podcast is one of the best. Rick Roberts knows what he's talking about and brings in other pros that have really helped me. Hey, thank you very much, Tim, for leaving the podcast review, and I hope you're enjoying that punchline checklist that I sent in return. You too! who are listening right now can get that punchline checklist. If you just leave an iTunes review, shoot a screenshot of it and shoot that to me at schooloflaughs at gmail.com. Upcoming comedy classes. We have the performance class going to kick off here in just a couple of weeks. If you're listening to this on the date of release, we are about exactly nine days away. We start February 24th. That's a Monday, and we meet again on Monday, March 2nd, and the 16th. That's a three-session class. We go from 6 to 9 o'clock. You get on stage. You do your set. We give you laser-focused feedback and ideas and suggestions on how to make it funnier, how to make it tighter, and overall how to perform it in a way that sets you apart from the others. Favorite class that I teach, and I can't wait to get this one lined up. We've got the dates. We have a few more spots left. If you're interested in joining, shoot me an email, schooloflaughs at gmail.com, or simply go to schooloflaughs.com, click on Live Classes, and you'll see the performance class listed there. There'll be some buttons you can click to get signed up. Either way works for me. Shoot me that message if you need more information as well. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again, Doc. Thanks to John Hill for sponsoring us, and thanks to Tim Catch your Sid for doing the iTunes review. You guys stay safe out there and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.